Hi, this is Renee Christensen, author of Training Them Wisely, Discipling Kids. And I'm so excited to have Laura Klotz with us today. She has been a children's minister for 11 years, and she is the children's minister at Friendly Avenue Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. She is passionate about family ministry and just has some great tips that she can give us about how we can disciple kids in our home, what family ministry can look like in the church. So I am thrilled to hear what she has to say today. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for coming on Training Them Wisely. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to get to talk to you about family ministry. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your job, what you're doing here in North Carolina. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Laura, and I'm the Children's Ministry Director at Friendly Avenue Baptist Church. And I've been in Greensboro for the last four years and love it. Love being back in North Carolina. I was born and raised in Asheville and um, loved there. Um, graduated from Garner-Webb and decided that God was calling me to go to seminary. So I moved to Texas, went to Fort Worth, um, Texas, and pursued an MDiv there at Southeast, uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary um, and lived in Texas for 13 years, loved it. Um, but four years ago, God brought me back to North Carolina and I'm loving it. So uh, family-wise, it's just me and my fur baby. I have a dog named Finn um, who... I'm happy to show all kinds of pictures like a proud, any proud parent would do of their children. <laughs> um, uh, he's a great dog, and um, but it's good to be back closer to my extended family as well. And uh, that was something I missed out in Texas, but it's good to be home and love being here. So we have a dog, Annabelle. She's a rescue. She's black and white, and she's the cutest, most wonderful, sweet dog ever. Mm-hmm. And apparently we're getting a new dog today after we finish speaking. Oh, fun. Yes. Yeah, so that's going to be... Yeah. My um, daughter has earned it. She has been working on my website, doing all my social media and all of this stuff. And so she's earned herself a new dog. So we're going to go. It's another rescue dog. And she, um, know? she does know. Yeah. She picked it out and well, it was, she was offered to us and she's, she was like, Oh, she looks kind of like, so she's the, my, my dog is black and white. Annabelle is, and she's the brown and white version of my dog. And so Aww. She's very excited. So yes, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a picture of your dog. So you are passionate about family ministry. And I yeah. think that family ministry is really, really important. It's something that I'm very passionate about as well. And so just tell us a little bit about what family ministry looks like to you, why it's important if there's any scripture that you have about why it's important that we have family ministry, um, just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been doing children's ministry for over 10 years now and I love every bit about it. Like I couldn't pick a favorite thing or, you know, we're wrapping up the summer. I've loved all the VBS and camps and all of those fun things. We're excited to look to the fall, but as I've done ministry, the thing that has become very clear without parents and their involvement and their like caring what we're doing, it doesn't really matter what we do. Years ago, there was a statistic that said really that it didn't matter. Um, I think it was George Barnett that put this out, but it didn't matter what your what we were teaching in the church. If the child did not see their parent like worshiping or tithing or serving uh, work, you know, um, 
anything like reading their Bible, having a quiet time, if they didn't see their parent doing any of that, then it it didn't matter what we teach that they just didn't see it as important. And mm-hmm. so um, I think I've seen that bear out in ministry over time. Um, and not because kids are like unwilling to learn or hear what you're having to say, but when you try to teach them like how to have a quiet time or why it's important to serve or engage in worship, those kind of things. Um, the thing that I've heard our, our children say, our fourth and fifth graders especially say, well, I don't understand why you want me to have a quiet time. If, if I do this and I have to do that, like my family is watching TV or hanging out downstairs and I never see them do it. And so why should I do it? Or how do I not miss it on the fun things? Um, and so that has just really led to a passion in my heart to help families come alongside of one another. I think that the reason that parents don't disciple is that they weren't discipled themselves. Yes. Yes. I don't think they don't want to. I don't, I think they want great things for their kids. I don't yes. really, I think they love their kids and they yes. love Jesus and they want them to follow Jesus. They do. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have been discipled. Exactly. And so then when you, when we like as a church are like, Hey, disciple your kids. Like the Deuteronomy tells you, this is your responsibility. And we kind of leave it there. Then they're stuck. Yes. Because they're still trying to figure out how to do it for themselves. Cause no one showed them. So I think we see this, like for scripture, you were asking about that. I think we see this in the transition um, from when Moses has passed away and Joshua is getting ready to lead the Israelites in their promised land. And so if you look at Joshua 24, 16 and 18, I'm going to read what it says. And it says, <coughs> excuse me, it says, the people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods for the Lord, our God brought us and our ancestors out of the land of Egypt, out of a place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us all along the way that we went, and among all the peoples whose lands we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all of the people, including the Amorites who lived in the land. So we too will worship the Lord, because He is our God. Mm. Joshua has... Uh, is that is asking the people to like recommit their lives to the Lord to serve only the one true God as they prepare in the to go in the promised land and he's giving them the option it's he's not mandating them he's like you got you got to decide for yourself yeah. who you're gonna serve like this day this is your choice you have to figure it out and they were adamant like no 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 we've like seen the one true God we know he's the one true God because we've experienced it. And we see all that he's done. We know that this is only by God's grace that we have made it this far. And so we're, who we're going to serve. But then um, in just Judges, just a couple of chapters later in Judges uh, 2.10, you see um, this. And it's just such a casual, like it's just so casually inserted. <laughs> if you're not paying attention, like. It's just so there, but it says um, the whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. And it means that generation of Joshua. So -hmm. these people, these first people that have gone into the promised land, these adults, um, you know, they have passed away. And it just says after that, after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done for Israel. And 
you look at this strong commitment at the end of Joshua, this clear understanding of who the Lord is and all that he's done. And then just one generation later, yes, no one knows the Lord. They don't yes. know that they don't only like know him to follow him. They don't know anything that he's done. Yes. And I don't think that Joshua or the parents ever intended for that. And I, but I also think it's a lot like what we're in today, right? We're so busy, so busy. Our, our lives are packed with so much stuff. And as a result, we pack our kids' lives with so much stuff and we want them to know Jesus. We want him to follow him and to love him and serve him. We want that for our children, but there are so many things competing that I think sometimes we don't realize how little focus we give to the church or to the Lord and the things that he's calling us to do. And I think if we're not careful, there's going to be another generation that doesn't know the Lord yes. works. And that breaks my heart. It just straight terrifies me. And so I want to be a part of the people who come alongside this generation and say, yes. hey, slow down. Like, yes. Let's see what's happening. Like all of these things are really good things. It's not that they're doing things that are bad, but they're costing yes. more than they've ever realized. And so that's where my passion stems from. That's why I think family ministry is so important. Um, and even like for my church, we've decided that not even it's not children's ministry isn't just for the children. It's about the parents and helping them to do what they what they've been called to do. Yes, I agree with everything that you said so much. So when I was writing my book, Training Them Wisely, right before it had to go for the final proofread. I was working with George Barna and Tracy Munsell over um, to with some of the stats in my book. And she emailed me the day before and said he had just done the first post-COVID lockdown National American Survey on Biblical Worldview. And she asked if I would re- read that and put it into the book. So I did. So I stayed up all night that night, managed to get it sent off to the proofreader at 2 a.m. So I was only a couple hours late. Wow. And it's heartbreaking what's happened with it. So according to the study, and it's it's only based on seven parameters that are ni- not really narrow. It's not hard to have a biblical worldview from this point that he has. Only 1% of Americans age 29 and younger have a biblical worldview. Wow. And only 4% of Americans overall do. Mm-hmm. Two thirds of pastors don't. I, I mean, just, yeah. Just looking at the, even the number of pastors that don't even know that Jesus is the way to heaven, but, Uh and that that's the only way to heaven. And so just, and those are sometimes considered evangelical pastors. So just looking at the stats that are out there in the world, there's not, you you don't have a bunch of people around children anymore that actually have a biblical worldview. And unfortunately, as a church, we have not done a good job, like you said, of teaching people to be discipled. We haven't even done a good job of teaching parents to read the Bible. Right. And so 84% of Americans have the view of syncretism, which is all of these different worldviews pulled in, not just biblical worldviews, but they don't know it because mm-hmm. they don't know God's word. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple solution, in my opinion, for parents in one way, because you can't give what you don't have. Right. So really and truly, you know, I think if people could just start reading the Bible mm-hmm. so that they can have that biblical worldview that then they can naturally pour into their kids too, because mm-hmm. you've got to have something to be able to pour into your children. So mm-hmm. once you have that biblical worldview, and I know that there are churches that have much more than that percentage, but even in 
North Carolina, where we are, as I've gone door to door, I've discovered that there are many, many, I'd say most families that I've gone door to door to have not heard of Jesus and do not have a Bible. And so just, and we've been used to sending kids off for lessons to teach them about anything. And that's how we are, you know, in America. And it's great because you've got experts everywhere that can teach your kid to play golf, teach teach your kids to play volleyball, all of these things. But whenever it comes to the most important thing, which is the relationship with God, it does fall on you. And I 100% agree with you. Parents want their children to love Jesus. That's why they have them in church. They want them to have a strong faith. They Mm -hmm. want them to love Jesus with all their heart and to know God's word. The problem Mm -hmm. is that I don't think that we realize that they can't know sitting in a service on a Sunday, reading a verse a day devotion sometimes during the week Mm -hmm. is not going to give you the foundation that you need. It's Mm -hmm. not going to give you that hunger for God's word. And what I found is that I teach, as I teach these classes on how to read your Bible, once people even read a short letter in the Bible, they're like, wow, I had no idea. And it just gives, it gives them this desire and this hunger because once you start reading it, then you want to keep reading God's word because it's, it's God's word. I mean, it's a treasure. It is sweet. It's a delight. And you realize that. And then you have something to teach your kids, you know? So I, I'm, I would, I'm with you. I don't think that they, even, that, that most parents know how, but it's an, I also think that they, yeah, that they can learn how pretty easily, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of realizing that the need is there and that's what I'm hoping can happen. (laughs) So since families are important, how can we engage with families and lead families in the direction where they are wanting to disciple their kids, where they're seeing the need, how can they practically do it? Like, how can you, how can you as a children's minister help families to see the need and how they can do it. Right. Um, so our church spent three years like praying through and figuring out what it looks like. And then honestly, we're still working through that. It wasn't like, oh, we spent three years and we're done and we're going to keep doing it. So we started implementing it, what we had planned. Um, but we're continuing to add to and work through all of those things for our church. We decided that, uh, you know, cause there's a, a ton of definitions of what family ministry should be and is and all of those things. So we defined it um, for our church as the focused and intentional heart and effort of the entire church to partner with the family for parents and children to know and follow um, and serve Jesus. So love know, that. Yeah. Jesus. yeah. So we, we read a lot of books. Um, we prayed a lot. We evaluated everything that we were doing in our church Um, and we just, we created some core values for that and kind of worked through some things. So we have an intentional ministry pathway that we work with our families and that we're implementing. So, um, it starts with family dedication for us. And so everyone that comes to that is required to come through a class. Um, we know like there's so many other things that we do. They're just like a regular function of ministry. Right. And so we knew this was like our one chance to get all of the parents in the room and um, just tell them, sorry, my dog is like losing his mind. (laughs) Come on. Um, Sorry. So we knew that um, he just really needed to be up here. Um, 
that if we required, like we didn't want family dedication to just be like a photo opportunity, like come look at, I mean, I love looking at the cute kids. It's one of my favorite days of the entire year. Um, I love seeing these families and the way that God has blessed them and grown their families. Um, But we didn't want to just be a photo op, you know, or a sweet moment in the service. Um, So we have this intentional class that they come through and we tell them the whole ministry pathway for the church and how we're going to come alongside of them. Like we walk through what we believe God has called them to do as parents, but how we are going to come alongside of them, you know, because it's so scary. I think as a parent, not only to just all of a sudden, like be a parent and try to figure out how like you're now going to take care of this kid for the rest of your life. But then you like have like other responsibilities, right? Like you're, you're growing them in admonition of the Lord. And so what does that look like? And you don't want to mess that up. And so we don't want our parents to ever feel like that they're alone. And, you know, we want those groups of parents um, to kind of create like a co-op where they have something they could say, like, is your kid not sleeping? Or are they going through a biting phase or what? We want them to ask those questions, but also like, I'm looking for opportunities to help my family come together and serve our community. Does anybody know how to like do this? And so we're, we're creating these intentional hubs through those classes. Um, But just to like, let them know what family ministry is and, and what, how we can come alongside of them and why we want to. And then from there, it kind of progresses through some other things um, like helping them understand like the things that you can see in your child's life when Um, they're probably about ready to become a Christian when you can tell, like how to tell when they're wrestling through those things, how to answer those questions and come alongside of your children, um, all the way from like helping them know who Jesus is, but all the way to like helping them understand what God's calling them to do in high school, um, and for their careers and how God's going to use them and how as parents to learn to help make that shift so Mm -hmm. that they can, do what God's called them to do and explore and be safe in that um, season while they're still at home trying to figure those things out. You know, it's, there's so many big milestones in a family's life that are like seemingly ordinary things that no one tells you how to do, like how to let your child decide what they're going to what God's calling them to do for the rest of life or go and do big and brave things that may not mean staying at home with you or staying near you, maybe like going around the world and serving Jesus in a third yes. world country, <laughs> which like you want, but you don't want. Yes, <laughs> you want yes. you want I, I very much so know that with a, a the grown child who's mm-hmm. talked about going overseas and yes. <laughs> yes. So yes. We just want to come alongside of them in all of those areas and the big things and the small things um, and just do life with them practically. Um, Discipleship is a big part of that, helping parents to like realize their need to be discipled. I mean, yes. I don't think there's any parent that I have ever met who loves Jesus that doesn't want their kids to love Jesus, right? Like it's just such a natural thing. Um, and so we have a tendency in the church to be like, Congratulations, you're a Christian, read your Bible, tithe, serve, see you later, you know, come to church. So like you know, and so no one really has come alongside, helped them to like understand what a quiet time looks like or yes. what the purpose of that is. It's not just mm-hmm. a check mark, but about a relationship. And so we want to like practically walk through that. So if yes. we need to parents to 
learn what that looks like and walk with you with that, then we want to do that. Yes. We want to have those conversations about like how, how you do that with your kids. I love that you are creating resources for kids. There's so few things out there. Mm, so there for a parent that's like really looking and trying, I'm sure they are frustrated because there's very, yes, there's not, there. no, there's not. No. So I, yeah, I'm very excited to say so this, this week I had a journal, a daily quiet time journal coming out for kids. And in the beginning, I talk about just how to have a quiet time. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it has different sections each day for them to do because people do need to know how to read their Bible and, and kids can learn, but I mean, that's what I've discovered. They can do it at mm-hmm. an early age. They really can. And as they're learning God's word and memorizing God's word and studying God's word, I mean, my kids, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then I also have an Ephesians Bible study that I'm writing for all ages so that it can be done as a family. And oh, so I I'm love very that. excited about that because it's got preschool, elementary teens and yeah, so that's fun. That's been a lot of fun writing. And um, I just think it is, it's so important that you're able to, to do those things. And I think having people in a group, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. that's really what the church is supposed to be like, right? We're supposed to surround each other and love each other and mm-hmm. help each other. Iron sharpens iron. And just being able to invest in others right. as a church is really mm-hmm. important. I can't imagine going throughout through my life without, I lead a discipleship group every year. And those ladies, like, I just can't imagine living my life without them. And yes, I technically am leading it and I start, but within three months they're doing it as well. And it's the entire time. Everybody notices different things because God's word is living and active and having people being able to pour into my life constantly. It's a wonderful thing. What's family ministry look like in the home? Yeah. Um, I think we make it harder, right. Mm-hmm. Than what it really is. Um, in America, especially, we have this idea that we have to do everything perfect. Like we're afraid to fail. Except I don't think family ministry is anything you can fail at. Like, I think if you just love Jesus the best that you know how, and are doing your best to serve him the best way you know how, and you teach your kids to do the same, that's family ministry. Um, are there things I would love to see? Sure. Like I would love to see the parents having um, a quiet time and, and sharing that with their kids, whether it's like in the car or on like on their way to school or at the dinner table or like going for a walk. Like, I don't think it has to be this like formal, like mm-hmm. worship service <laughs> type thing in the home. Those things are great. Like if you want to do family worship, I am all for that. It's not that but it doesn't have to be that to be family ministry. Like it's just doing life with one another. Like yes. you have, you're going to fill the time where you're listening to the radio and in the car or have the TV on in the background and you're eating dinner. Like if you just sit around the table and you share what you've been reading in the Bible and what God's showing you like that to me is family ministry. Cause you're valuing what you're doing with the Lord in your quiet time and it's enough to share it with your family. So it's just a natural rhythm. And that's kind of, that's what I hope for families that they just establish this natural rhythm of like talking about what they hear in Sunday school or in the Sunday morning worship service or what they're learning in their quiet time or this worship song they heard on the radio that Lord's using to minister to them. I think it's just really simple conversations. Um, You know, 
And then just a choice to be intentional in those conversations and then intentional on how you lead your kids. So like when they're not able to read their Bible for themselves, reading it to them and talking with them about what you're reading. Um, again, not like a three point sermon, <laughs> you know, just, just a simple conversation. Um, and then teaching them along the way, how to read it for themselves and how, um, what God's saying to them and how to apply it to themselves. Um, we use sermon notes, um, at church, like anything I create, I'm like, and I like announce it goes to our kids, um, or to their parents before it goes to their kids. Cause I'm hoping that like, if they don't know for themselves and they've never heard for themselves that they're learning in their yeah. process. So like we ask them to do sermon notes at our church and help them like engage with what's being said on stage. Um, and um, like I incentivize them, you bring it to me after service, I'm going to give you a piece of candy. Like it's not like a big deal or anything, but what I tell the parents and what I tell our kids is like, I, I want them to fill it out. And then you have something you can look back over during the week and like see the verses that are there and apply those, just trying to have some of those conversations so that they're all um, learning and trying to apply the things that, I mean, these are messages that the Lord has given our pastor. It's what we trust that he's given our pastor. So it shouldn't just like come in one ear and out the other, right? We yeah. should be working through those things. And so helping them do that, um, you know, and then as a church, we want to come alongside if there's resources that we can provide that we want to do that, um, you know, or just have those conversations. But I think feeling interesting at home is just simply doing your best to love Jesus the best way you know how and doing your best to follow him the best way you know how, and then sharing that with the other people in your home. Yeah. And seeing how God uses that. I agree. I think that's exactly what it is because really discipleship, family ministry, it's relationships, right? And it's a relationship that's centered on God and that true love that we have for him. And whenever we love him so much, we can't help but talk about him with our kids mm -hmm. and then they can see how important it is. I love how you said that you do candy afterwards for the sermon <laughs> notes. Now that is such a good idea because it's a small thing that mm -hmm. really does incentivize kids and it has mm -hmm. a lasting impact on their life because yeah. it's something that they're learning to do and develop a habit yes. for our kids. And I teach the fifth grade class and whenever they have, we have them have their quiet time each day where they're reading the Bible and journaling about it. And none of them were doing it whenever they came in, but I think within two or three weeks we had them all doing it, but it was just simply candy and little fidgets type mm -hmm. things that mm -hmm. I had for them. And they would get it based on the number of days that they had their quiet time. And just little things like that can really incentivize a kid to be able to do it. So when you're doing it in your home, as you're trying to encourage them to do it, you can do the same type of thing where you're, there's nothing wrong with incentivizing a child to learn about God, because that really their, their worldview is pretty developed by the time that they're age 12 is what the statistics are showing. And so this, these early years are important. It doesn't mean God's not a God of statistics. There are, my husband was not a believer until he was in his twenties whenever he accepted Jesus. So God's not a God of statistics. Mm -hmm. God can take anyone at any time. So it's not like it's too late if your child is 16 and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I have not been start now. You know, mm -hmm. if your child's grown, you can start now and you can be praying for him every day. There's things that you can always do for your children. But if you do have kids that are young and still in your home to really 
show them the importance to live out that life, to be that example, just like Paul was. Paul was an example that other people, he used to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so as parents, we want to live our life in such a godly way that our children are able to see that how we're living. Not that we're perfect. I am never perfect, right? but I do apologize to my kids. And I explain why what I did was wrong when mm-hmm. I do something wrong and what I should have been doing instead. Um, and just also with them, I try and point them to the scriptures for their things that they're doing, because for me, love is really important. So I have first Corinthians 13 on our wall. And Mm -hmm. so anytime that there is an issue, usually it's because we're not doing something in love. And so just to be able to point that out so that they can see that importance of love, because that to me, I feel like our relationships for family ministry in our home Mm -hmm. have to be centered on love. I never want to disciple my kids to check off a box. I want to do it because I love them so much and I love God so much. And I want them to love God so much. Um, but just to have that relationship going on with them. Yeah, I agree. Those are awesome. But I, And I really love the candy for the sermon. I'm going <laughs> to mention that one. Um, so do you have any suggested resources of things that families can use to sure, help I'm, it? I'm a big, when it, there's not a lot. We were saying earlier, I love that you were feeling a, a desperate need, really, um, for parenting mess and like just dealing with struggles our kids have. I'm a big fan of Daystar Ministries in Nashville, Tennessee. And so their counselors are uh, Cece Goff and David Thomas and Melissa Trevathian. So they have a lot of great resources just on raising kids. Um, Cece's worked a lot in anxiety, which is plaguing our children. It is. Uh, today. Um, David writes, you know, about raising boys and things like that. Um, but I love their approach. They're Christians. I love their heart behind it. Um, so I, those are my favorites. Uh, David Paul Tripp has a book called Parenting as well that I think yes, is great. Um, family ministry wise, uh, if you're interested in family ministry or like really putting in the home, there's a book by Jefferson Bethke that's one of my favorites. It's the most challenging book I've read in a while, um, but it's called um, Take Back Your Family. And it's um, it's like, the idea is taking back from the tri- tyrants of burnout, busyness, and ind- individualism. <clears throat> Sorry. I like both and of I those. just, I, that one, I mean, he, I don't know if you've read that one, but he, yeah. it's a beautiful book, but it's also like personally challenging about how, like how he's letting his children lead their home and the goal and like being on ministry, like together as a family and how those ramifications play in your home. I think it's a beautiful book. Um, but if you really want to be challenged with what it looked like in your home, I think his is one of the best that I've read lately. So those are some of my favorites. Awesome. Thank you for those resources. I will put those in the notes if y'all are interested so that you can click on those and take a look at them. And then for you, what is your favorite scripture verse right now? Right now, um, I've really been holding tight to, um, Galatians six, nine. And I think that that is important in family ministry as well, but, just in the season that I'm in, um, that verse says, let's not we- to grow weary of doing good for at the right time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And um, you know, different seasons um, have different challenges and some are harder than others. And um, we feel like giving up at times. Um, but um, just that reminder that there is a purpose even in the hard and that if we'll trust the Lord with what he's doing and how he's leading, because he's not taken by surprise by any of that, um, that there is a harvest coming 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, this has been a good reminder um, this summer and um, in the season that we were in in our church. But um, so that's where I'm leaning into these days. So I have that verse in my journal this week. Actually, I wrote that one down about do not be weary of doing good. And I think that that is something whenever you're really pouring your heart and soul into ministry, mm-hmm. there are times that you can get physically exhausted and just to come back to his word. Like for me, even, even whenever I was at, I went to three camps this summer and plus BBS and just the late nights and staying up. And I, I basically since May 12th have pretty much been traveling and, um, to different places. So I've been home pretty much not at all for those weeks. Um, and so just the physical tiredness, making sure that I spend that time in God's word, because that's what really refreshes me. And a lot of that weariness can be weariness of the soul. And I've found mm-hmm. that if I can be refreshed in his word, that yes, I'm still physically tired, but I can handle my physical tiredness better. Yeah. And then also figuring out how to physically rest after camps, but because <laughs> you <Yes>. need it <laughs> after yes. camps. Well, thank you so much. This was so wonderful being able to speak to you and to hear about family ministry. It is something that is so important. And so I hope that you guys will check out the resources that she mentioned and see how you can apply some of those things to your families. And just, it's a marathon, you know, kids are, we have them for a long time. Just do something, a little something each day. It's like she said, it doesn't have to be family worship, pull out the music, pull out the guitar, get everything set up. It can be day-to-day moments with your kids. And really it should be because that's what, even in Deuteronomy, it says when you walk along. So on your way to school, like she said, for me in the summer, in the garden, that's whenever we would do tons of it. So we'd be outside working in the garden together. So just having those conversations about God, who you love so much and who you know, reading your Bible and then teaching it to your kids and getting your kids to love that too. So thank you again, Laura. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It was fun.